I'm joined by Helen Fallon, who is the Deputy Librarian at NUI Maynooth, and I want to talk to Helen about the archive of letters from Kensarawiwa. Helen, how did this archive first come the way of the library in Maynooth? Well, a student in Maynooth, John O'Shea, was studying for his Master's in Sociology and doing a thesis on societies in transition. And as part of that, he was looking at media coverage of the Irish Shell to Sea campaign. And in connection with that, he visited Sister Magella McCarran, who's a table observer of that campaign, to discuss um, issues relating to media coverage with her. And in the course of conversation, she mentioned that she had 28 letters that she had received from Nigerian writer and activist Ken Sarawiwa, who was executed in 1995. You may be aware that Sarawiwa led a peaceful com campaign to protest against the destruction wrought by oil companies and the petrochemical industry in his homeland, Ogoni, which is in the Niger Delta area of Nigeria. So John made contact with us and we're always very keen to acquire collections and it's relatively rare though for a student to actually be the link but that was great and uh, I contacted Sister Magella whom I had actually met before in a different context and we set about acquiring the material. And while we had initially focused on the letters, and it was wonderful to get the letters, which represented his um, correspondence with Sister Magella between 1993 and 1995, most of the time he was in detention. Um, in addition to that, we got 28 poems. Um, some of them had been previously published, written by Ken Sarawiwa. A very significant photographic archive of events in Ogoni and also the campaign in Ireland to save the life of Ken Sarawiwa. Some videos um, recording a, a subsequent trip by Sister Magella to Ken's homeland after his death and also um, various other activities um, surrounding Ken Sarawiwa. Um, one final thing which we acquired too was his um, moss-up uh, cap and flag. So that's particularly nice to have those type of artefacts in the collection. How does a librarian go about archiving a collection like that, Helen? Well, we're very fortunate in the library and in UI Maynooth to have an archivist on the library team. So in the first instance, we would have quickly transferred the letters which Sister Magella was keeping in plastic folders to acid-free paper boxes and then after that our archivist would have done some initial restoration work on them. All of these letters were handwritten so we have to ensure that the letters which were handwritten in 1993 will actually still be legible in um, 100 years from now, whatever. Of course we are also looking at digital um, alternatives there. But that was one aspect of it. The letters then were catalogued. That's relatively straightforward. They're organised by date of which they were sent. And then other material, for example, the cassette tapes were changed to more modern media. Uh, photographs, etc., were put in folders and labelled. Um, and separate from all that, of course, we are in tandem with all that. We digitise the collection. 
And what's involved in digitising the collection? Are there kind of creative ways there, Helen, of making the material available? Right. What we have done to date, and we will be looking further at this, is um, we... On receipt of the letters, we got them all digitised with an external company. We would do that partly for insurance purposes. Um, it would be a requirement. We will be looking uh, to the future in looking at creative ways to make them available and definitely there are ways to do this. We've used um, some of the images in exhibitions etc but recently the university has appointed to the library a digital humanities project officer so we're going to be looking at how to make the, this material more available. And thus far how has the archive been used by students or by staff in the university? Well, it's been quite well used, taking into account that we received it just two years ago and we have been spending time working on it. And also our wonderful new purpose-built special collections and archives area in the new library only became available in 2013. So um, we've been quite restricted space-wise, but that's all changed now. So some of the uses... Um, at undergraduate level, on the BA in Local and Community Studies, myself and the Professor of Adult Education, uh, Professor Anne Ryan, designed part of a module on um, natural resources and community development around the letters. So there was a series of case studies. One was uh, relating to resources in Liberia and um, another Malawi, and then there was the Nigerian case study, which was on the conflict in the Ogoni district relating to the petrochemical industry. So I identified, um, in addition to the letters, other sources relating to Ken Sarawiwa, and part of what the students did in groups was to discuss newspaper and journal coverage of the conflict um, and to look at it from different perspectives. And this would be both the perspective of how it's covered and the information source itself. So in the library, we're very involved in what's termed information literacy. And we want students to become aware when they're looking at material that you do have to consider its source. So say the students discussed what was different in the coverage of um, Ken Sarawiwa in the New York Times and possibly in the Daily Mirror or whatever. So they've got some insight into looking at different types of sources. In addition to that, there's quite a, an extensive range of material on Ken Sarawiwa available via YouTube videos. So for example, the wonderful Glenn Ellis uh, documentary called uh, Delta Force is available, quite a lot of it on YouTube. So I created links um, in the Moodle virtual learning environment to those resources and in class students got an opportunity to watch those clips. We also had clips of people from the petrochemical industry speaking about the advantages to um, the industry in that particular area of Nigeria and how money had been given for schools etc because we wanted people to see that there are different perspectives on um, different um, aspects of this. That's one way with undergraduates. With uh, students of English, Dr. Ida Cor Corley, who teaches post-colonial studies, 
uh, worked with the library to mount an exhibition of some of the letters to coincide with a course she was actually running. So students got an opportunity to view the letters and we also created a range of other materials to actually go with that. And of course the biggest thing we've done with this um, collection of letters is that um, Dr. Rita Corley, Lawrence Cox from Sociology and myself have edited the letters and um, a book has been launched on the 7th of November 2013 and alongside it there's the audio archive which is a part of uh, our current discussions at the moment. Tell me a bit about the audio archive. It very much documents Magella's side of the story. Well that yeah is... Um, it, it certainly does. It also documents, if I can say, having just been listening to it again, because I'm now listening to it and working on what we call tagging because we're creating podcasts from it. It gives a very interesting and unique insight into mission in 1950s Ireland. I found uh, that was very interesting going back on it. So Magella's experience maybe is a mirror for a lot of people's experience and the Catholic Church and novitiate and indeed the early colonial well, they're not early, they're actually probably late and just post-colonial because countries were getting their independence at that time. Education system. So, for example, when Magella was in Nigeria, it changed from mission-run schools to state-run schools in 72. So it certainly gives an insight that's a lot broader than Sister Magella herself, but obviously it's in the context of Sister Magella. But in addition to that, we have interviewed Dr. Ida Corley, looking at Sarah Wewa from the perspective of African writing, because he was actually a well-established poet and novelist. And I should say on that, of course, we have all his novels, which are available in the library and um, other uh, uh, writings by him. So L Dr. Lawrence Cox has given us an insight into um the issues around the petrochemical industry and the parallels in some cases in the Irish Shell to Sea campaign. So he's also included in the archive and Owens Wewa is coming to Ireland for the launch of the book. So we would hope to we have agreed with him that we will record him as well. And something else which we would like to put in the audio archive, which we're working very closely with Kairos on, is the actual letters themselves and uh, possibly the poems. So tell me a little bit for people who wouldn't be familiar with the creation of a digital archive and particularly an audio archive. Mm -hmm. What has that process been like and what are the challenges there? How do you go about doing it? Well, that's been absolutely fascinating and it's been a tremendous uh, collaboration with Kairos because that's something the library has always been very good at acquiring collections as indeed most large libraries are. But perhaps we haven't been as good as expl at exploiting those co uh, collections and I mean that in a very positive way and making them available locally, nationally and internationally. So this type of project does give us the scope for that. It's been very interesting in terms of going out and interviewing people. I was very fortunate in that I was able to do the documentary making module on the MA in Media Studies in Kairos and then subsequently working uh, with Anne O'Brien. And um, meeting up with Sister Magella, doing recordings. We also were able to record people at the um, anniversary of uh, the execution of uh, Ken Sarawiwa, which was marked 
over in Mayo. Um, and that was a very interesting experience for us because there were, again, parallels with um, between Nigeria, the events in Ogoni and the events in Eris. And there are crosses um, which we got to see over there, which have the names of Ken Sarawiwa and his other colleagues, the Ogoni Nine, the people who were executed in 1995. So that part of it was very interesting. So we found ourselves with lots of recordings. The next stage was to um, get a postgraduate student, Greg Rooney, who worked on actually editing those recordings and, if you like, tidying them up to some degree. The next stage was the creation of podcasts. And after that, we used an external uh, company uh, who um, input the metadata and taggings tags which I had uh, identified for each um, podcast and we've also were very fortunate in the library in that we have a wonderful member of staff who's very talented at photography Alan Monaghan and of course we've uh, numerous photographs of letters and other aspects of the archive so we're using those as album covers for each of the podcasts in iTunes we've gone down the iTunes route because it will make these podcasts very widely available and also the library is looking at the bigger picture for the university of creating a digital um, repository which will have audio elements etc so we want something that could be easily transferred into to another um, repository, if you like, at a later date. So those are some of the stages involved in it. And it's all been very exciting. Having put so much work into it, Helen, what is your hope for the archive over the next decade? Well, I would like to see it grow and possibly grow into uh, an actual gateway. I know there are one I've seen recently is the Mary Martin um, archive, where um, students on the digital humanities in Trinity College uh, created a gateway to information about Mary Martin, who lived in Dublin during the First World War. And she's the mother of the lady who set up the um, medical missionary order. I think she's Sister Mary Martin. Um, and that's actually an archive based on letters as well. But it's linked in with many other related uh, resources so I could see that this could get a lot bigger and bring in many other aspects but that's one aspect of how I see the archive growing but I guess in terms of you know use would be even more important we have a lot of courses here that this could be very would be very relevant to applied social studies adult education sociology the Kennedy Institute on Conflict Resolution, the MA and Historical Archives. I would like to see them all using the collection. So I guess that would be one of my hopes that regardless of whether it's the audio, the print or whatever, that it's actually a very living collection.